You are listening to the Mythical Jesus Podcast, taking the Christ of faith seriously. A podcast that dives into faith development, cognitive development, using Jesus as the framework for that. We dive deep into the Jesus of the New Testament, showing him as the preeminent example of development and what that development looks like. Buckle your seatbelts. Sit back, enjoy the ride. This is going to be a lot of fun because diving into the Jesus narrative has never been done like this before. You can visit our website at christoffaith.org. On the site, you will find tools, resources, documents to help you in your faith development and to better understand Jesus, the teacher, and his role in that. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Come thou fount of every blessing. Welcome back. I'm your host, Bill Real. We're going to be jumping into Mark chapter 2. We'll start at verse 13. This is just after Jesus heals the lame man brought in on the mat and forgives his sins. It then says, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teacher of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come not to those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. There is an awareness from Jesus. Now, that's the end of the scripture. There's an awareness from Jesus, from the narrative, that he hangs out with the marginalized of his society. The marginalized of his society, they feel safe hanging out with Jesus. It's not just that he goes and finds them. It's that they trust him enough. He creates a safe space that they are attracted to him. Now, I've been in lots of group settings. I've been in lots of individual settings with people. I'm amazed, even to this day, when you have a group of people who are in this development, if you have just one person who's in this development, it doesn't take long for those on the margins, those who would be made to feel shame for something in their life that they pick up very quickly on when there's a safe person in the room. And it's amazing what those who would be considered the scum, what they will open up and say, what they want to say, what they want to share when they know there's a safe person in that Jesus attracts the loyalty of those who do not fit into their systems and institutions, that should be clear. Why? Surely he treats them differently. He offers them validation. He uses rhetoric that places them on more equal ground. He honors their humanness, their brokenness, which makes them who they are. 
while in a latter stage, one will be a threat to all who are working to maintain the systems and the status quo, a person who creates a safe space for those on the margins will also be appreciated by those who are on the edge, those who are outside those systems and those institutions. Watch throughout this New Testament who Jesus consoles, who Jesus comforts in their grief, who he sits down and wraps an arm around. If there's one commonality through the New Testament that is so often left out by the religious systems and institutions, is that when Jesus offers harsh criticism, it is often to the religious leaders. And when Jesus offers compassion and empathy and forgiveness, it is to those who are on the margins of those religious systems and institutions, those who are the scum, according to the Pharisees. Pay close attention to who Jesus loves and who he cares for. Moving on to verse 17. When Jesus heard this, when he heard the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees sitting with him, watching him eat with these sinners, these tax collectors, these people they considered scum. And as they asked him, why do you eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. But see, what Jesus is doing is he's holding back. Um, I can't remember exactly who it was. If it was Ken Wilber or Rob Bell or somebody on the Liturgist podcast, which, by the way, is a great podcast for those of you listening. If you like these ideas, those are voices you're going to want to reach out to and try to find in your podcast app or in other places. But I was once told through one of these wise voices that we need to have a soft front and a hard back. Like, don't be pushed around, but be gentle with people. Be gentle, especially with those who disagree with you. Listen to what Jesus says. He doesn't condemn them, even though he does. Healthy people don't need a doctor. And here's the secret. None of us are healthy. All of us are sick. All of us have received trauma in our lives. All of us have been marginalized. All of us have been on the edges at one point or another. You see, that's the rub. The rub is that each of us are sick. Each of us are broken. Each of us have shadows. Each of us are shielding ourselves from others. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. You see, we are all sinners. We are all unclean. And not unclean like unworthy. In religion, we framed these ideas so incorrectly. When people hear like, oh, I'm unclean, like there's shame there. There need not be shame. To have made mistakes is to be human. To be regretful towards things you have done in your past is to be human. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they have made mistakes. In earlier stages of development, and I see this so clearly in my own life, 
I look at my relationship with my wife. I marry her. We're both 19-year-olds. As young 19-year-olds, we, we at times manipulate, trying to get our partner to do something that we want them to do. We want them to be what we want them to be. We try to get them to conform. We use manipulative tactics. We use tactics of shame and guilt. We use tactics of compulsion. We use tactics of mocking. And we don't even see it in ourselves when we do it. And so and as a 19-year-old, me and my young wife, my beautiful wife, and yet I'm so eager to shape her into what I want her to be. And as I get older and as I begin to see this process of development, I begin to change and shift. And by the way, I also hide from her who I am. I shield what I don't want her to see about me. I withhold parts and pieces of myself. And as I begin to enter this process of seeing this development and being open to what all this entails, I begin to be more vulnerable with my own shadows. Like this is just who I am. And here it is. Here's the things I thought you would shame me for. And I felt safe because my wife was also growing. And she was in a place where she was allowing me to be vulnerable. And in return, I'm not expecting her to conform to what I need her to be anymore. I'm growing in love and appreciation for simply who she is. Like I'm allowing her. And it's not, that's not even the right word. Because it's not my it's not my place to give permission. But I finally have this healthy space in myself to let her be, to just let her be. For those of us who are on this journey, you can see it as we're young parents, how we shield ourselves from our children. And our children certainly are shielding themselves from us. I can only assure you how much healthier, how much more real it gets when you begin to be a safe space for others to be vulnerable and authentic. And when you expose yourself, which by the way, creates a safe space. When you expose yourself fully and be authentic and be vulnerable and be transparent. And these are things that religious systems and institutions have a really hard time of doing. And yet once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's why Jesus so often says, he who has ears to hear can hear and he who has eyes to see can see. Because you really have to develop into these places where you can see and hear these things. Now I'm 39 years old. It's 2018. And the friends that I've made, the relationships I have, both with my wife and children and these friends, they're honest. They are so much more vulnerable and authentic and transparent from what my relationships were five years ago. If I go back a decade, a decade and a half, two decades ago, I can look back and see how important it was to be accepted by others. I had to look and walk and talk a certain way. And I chose to, because I wanted to, to fit into those systems. But there comes a day as you grow through this 
that you no longer feel the need to fit in the system. You'd much rather be yourself, and you'd much rather, even if it only means you have a friend or two, you'd much rather be authentic and vulnerable and transparent. Judgment comes when we think we are righteous and someone else is broken. Self-righteousness, haughtiness, arrogance comes when we think others are broken in some way that's unacceptable and we are somehow better than that because we shield others from our brokenness. But Jesus chooses to hang out, to be around, to impact, to instruct, to reassure those who know they are broken. To be broken is human. And once you see it, that brokenness is no longer a shameful trait, but rather those on that path desire to be around others who are vulnerable and authentic to their brokenness. It's their brokenness that makes them unique. It's their brokenness that gives them depth. It's not their righteousness. It's not their rightness. It's their wisdom that comes from their brokenness. I want to be clear as we wrap up that when I use terms that sound negative, they can be triggering to people. And I grasp that. And I'm sensitive to that. But at the same time, this podcast is an effort to reach out to those who are just now beginning to edge into this development. They feel alone. For those of you who fit that bill, say like something in this podcast rings true and I feel distanced by my religious system and I can't quite put my finger on it. I use these words intentionally. I don't want to trigger anyone, but my hope is that we can see that shielding others from our shadow is what keeps us from growing into later stages. And once you become open and vulnerable, transparent and authentic, a new depth in your life begins to open up. I'm your host, Bill Real. This is the Mythical Jesus Podcast, taking the Christ of faith seriously. Until next time. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing